Like any true philosopher in the 21st century, I would be remiss if I did not at least introduce an argument that has to do with those two subjects that so regularly populate college classrooms, capitalism and socialism. For all the arguments that go about in these two subjects, very few who engage in the conversation have read the works of Adam Smith, Ayn Rand, or even Marx himself, even though saying that Marx was a socialist can be a bit of an anachronism. That He was certainly alive during that time, but the term socialism and the term capitalism have not necessarily remained in, with integrity throughout time. And these two subjects, these two political philosophies that are also economic philosophies, have continued through time long before they had such titles. And the way that these arguments are so regularly brought up, these ideal systems of human interaction as far as a market or a society goes, regularly depends on axioms much deeper than the level of conversation permits. For example, there is a critical component to any idea of socialism, especially something like Marxism, which believes that mankind is malleable in such a way that society can formulate them into the ideal utopia. Capitalism, however doesn't always depend on some sort of uh, some sort of axiom of this sort rather it re- it suggests that people being maximally free in this environment can make decisions for themselves and a society which does not allow them to make decisions for themselves with their own market choices is perhaps morally jeopardizing However, at the core of these uh, these ethical or these uh, economic ethics systems, we have a discussion at hand. Whereas we hear very often, we very often hear that capitalism is a system based on greed, and communism or socialism, let's talk about socialism, is a system based on compassion. And this argument is one that comes up very often through different levels of intellectual conversation. However, it it has one fatal flaw. It also, what it does though, and what it, 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 in engaging in this argument, we're going to be able to talk about tensions between concepts, tensions between principles that might even go back to the Aristotelian golden mean. So let's begin. Before we get too far into it, this is the Redacted Culture Cast. I appreciate the time that you have spent with us. Thank you for being a part of the conversation as we talk about things that we believe to be right and true and good. The ideas that found, the ideas that we ground our actions in long outlive empires And ideas, though there are many of them, can oftentimes be the longest-lasting constructions of men. And also, I must say, for my own beliefs, that ideas that that last because they are true, last long because they are true, 
I have some level of optimism that believes that the truth will succeed. So let's get into this discussion. There is a com this, let's go back to the common uh, common challenge that's leveled at these economic systems. Capitalism, which is a system which is focused on individual free choice and something similar to a free market, is condemned for being one that prioritizes or prior primarily functions on the greed of the population. People will do things if they believe they'll get a reward for them. And so they'll be motivated by their own desires to pursue things that move the economy forward in time. Whereas socialism, as the criticism is thrown, often like, oftentimes likes to claim that it is a system based on compassion. It looks at the at the traits that people have or the circumstances that they exist in in our day and age today it might be the argument between equality and equity where and socialism says that or in as it's presented in very many modern or modern classrooms that it is a economic system of redistribution because or that focuses I'm sorry it is an economic system based on the redistribution of wealth that uh, prioritizes equity through the format of compassion over outcomes. Because some people, if they make decisions, gain benefits which they can pass on to others who gain more benefits. And this, in this argument, says that a system that is based on outcomes becomes imbalanced, which can very well be true. But let's tackle the concept of compassion. Now, in a socialistic system, or when, and when people are advocating for the moral supremacy of socialism, let's completely throw out whether or not it works at all. When people argue, when you oftentimes hear this argument in defense of socialism, that it is a system based on compassion, which is a morally superior virtue or a morally superior principle to something like greed. But the, there's a, if this uh, comparison seems a little off-kilter to you, there's a reason for that. If we were, we were going to draw a square and have four quadrants, and one pillar, one side being um, socialism, and the other pillar being capitalism, and we were to say that of those, two quadr of, those, of those four quadrants, the top section is the best example of that society and the bottom section is the worst example of that system, then what we would run into and what we run into in the problem here is that when, when the compassion, the pre present, presented compassion of socialism is pen pitted against the potential greed of capitalism, what we are doing is we are comparing the best traits of one system to the worst traits of another. So in an ideal world, closer to the utopia, a society that decides to become socialist in this sense, which has to do with things like the abolition of private property, the redistribution of wealth, perhaps a centralized economy, what we have... <clears throat> is if there is, what we have if it is functioning in its quote unquote most moral position is this world of compassion however i'm going to challenge that that is neither true nor possible let's start with this so let's talk about the idea of compassion what is compassion 
Well, compassion would be to be looking at somebody who is downtrodden, out of sorts, in a bad way, and giving them something that they may not necessarily deserve, so to speak, but giving them something, a safety net of sorts, so that they do not fall so far as to not be able to stand up or pick themselves up or live with dignity, so long and so forth. But compassion has an interesting necessity which very oftentimes gets blown by in this argument because compassion has to be voluntary. I cannot be compassionate towards somebody if I am if it is done to me or if I am forced to do it. Compassion requires choice. It re- requires in a sense some format something like free will. And so if I were to be in a situation where I own some, or you own something and somebody else does not, and I take from you and give to them, can you, can you really be credited compassion if that removal of your possessions or resources was not done voluntarily? The answer would be no. Because you cannot claim a credit You cannot claim a moral credit for something that not only you don't do, but is done to you. You cannot claim generosity when the things that you, when the way that your resources, energy, efforts are redistributed to somebody else are done not by your choice, but by somebody else's, by some sort of force. Enter it now, you can enter in an argument of abdication, but we're we're gonna have to kind of move past that one. Because that would be, well, if it's abdicating, is it voluntary? Probably. Then it negates the whole system as a whole. But, so let's go back to this argument that in our quadrants here, on the, on the immoral sec, the immoral version of something like capitalism, you have greed. People pursuing things for their own gain well beyond their needs. It's a, simple, it's a simple address. We know what greed is. We have seen it. It's oftentimes quite ugly. Various, in fact, most moral systems, most moral frameworks condemn it. And for good reason, right? It's not simply the outcome. There's something wrong with the person who is choosing to be greedy. But now we take the moral ideal as presented by something like socialism, and that is its ideal, its best light, its best, perhaps, possibility, is that you have an entire society which participates in compassion, and it has to do so sort of voluntarily, which draws the problem. If I, if my, if the fruit of my labor, if the actions that I put into work, if the things that I do are, if the result of my labor is taken from me and redistributed to somebody else, the title that we have for that would probably be something like slavery, where I don't have a choice in the matter of what I do with my efforts or my time, or I don't have a choice to do with the production of my work. Slavery is a really extreme example, but it does still fit the bill. Socialism has to deal with, if you're going to argue it as an ethical framework for an economic system, the fact it has to deal with is that it is at least adjacent to or close to something like slavery. 
And so the worst part of capitalism would be greed versus the worst part of socialism would be what? Slavery. Okay, but then what is that third or that fourth and final quadrant? What is a system of, uh, what is the best ideal, the ideal of capitalism in this sense? So <clears throat> let's, let's look at this. If I, uh, so yeah, all right, so the best form of capitalism, capitalism in its argument, is that you have this thing called private property. Private property is your own, something you own. It is something that you are responsible to, but it is something that you own. It is your property. You have a right to your property. And that right looks like you have a right to the fruits of your labor. If you have the rights to the fruit of your labor, then part of that right is that you have the liberty, in a sense, to utilize, distribute that, uh, the, the fruit of that labor by your will. The key element here is justice. Justice is what we call when you receive the consequences of your actions. Compassion is what we call when somebody decides to forego the consequences of an action for somebody else or a circumstance and give them something to lift them up. If we have our four quadrants here, the worst of capitalism is greed compared to the worst of socialism, which is selfish, or not selfishness, slavery. And the best of capitalism is justice, and the best of socialism is compassion. Now, if you're catching on to my argument, you're probably seeing where I'm going here. That we t started talking about compassion as having a necessarily voluntary action or component to it. I cannot claim to be compassionate if the action, which would have otherwise been deemed compassionate if I could do it by my own free will, is done not by my choice, but by force. So therefore, in this scenario, if you're going to, if you're going to compare these two uh, economic, and economic systems in regards to ethics, then in order for a socialist environment to even exist, you must first have a system of justice where people receive the reward, the fruit of their labor. I cannot give away fruit I do not possess. I cannot be compassionate with materials that I have not been part of its production. Now, if we were to blow this out into a more nuanced example, then you are a more nuanced framework. We might say, well, no one man builds a pencil. This is true. No one man builds a society. No one man builds a country. No one man builds a company. There are multiple people who participate in that company. But if no one owns the company, if it is not private property but public property, then to what extent can those individuals claim compassion when the redistribution of their production, even if it's just a fraction of their work, or they only possess a fraction of its production, how can they consider it to be compassion? You can't. So in this ideal world, or in this argument of comparing the compassion of or socialism to the 
greed of capitalism, what you find out is that that very concept of compassion, which the socialist claims to have a monopoly on, is wholly dependent on the justice that exists within a capital system. You cannot have socialism without there first being private property, because without the ability to distribute your wealth by your own voluntary situation, or by your own voluntary choice, you cannot consider it compassion. Socialism, then, is not a system of compassion. It is a system of slavery. And one of my lights goes out. Great. But this also identifies how concepts can exist in tension with one another. What about justice and mercy? Justice and mercy are mutually dependent on one another. And this is where we can dig into concepts of violence. You may hear it said all the time, perhaps from pacifists or people of that sort, that pacifism, in this sense, is a more merciful option. And that, I I recognize, is not a really good uh, representation of their argument. So before I completely strawman them, I'm going to step away from purely what is referred to as pacifism and identify the difference in a society between something like justice and mercy. Mercy is when somebody deserves an outcome, a consequence for their actions, but that consequence is is withheld. Right? So if you do something wrong and the judge, the person responsible for making judgments over it, whether it is your squad leader, your dad, or your parent, or your government, that government cannot claim to be merciful if it has no system of justice by which it already operates. This is why a pardon is not the status quo. A pardon is an exception to the justice that would otherwise be applied to the individual. In the same way, is wouldn't just how is justice in some way dependent on mercy? Framework-wise, it's a little bit more difficult because you can justice seems to be a little bit more of a standalone or justice seems to be able to stand a little bit more on its own concept than so would mercy. But I think you could make an argument that humankind is incapable. If humankind was, if humankind as a whole received maximum justice at any at any given moment, at all, if all of mankind were to experience the just rewards for their crimes, sins, and so forth, we would effectively cease to exist. So justice requires people; it requires something to exist in that framework. And mercy requires justice. How can these two things exist in tension? Well, the, uh, if you're going to take it from a biblical point of view, God is not necessarily bound by justice. He is the source of justice. He also happens to be the source of mercy. And in this framework, from a, a Christian standpoint, we, re- we can see that the God of the Bible is one is simultaneously sim, can or operate simultaneously as the source of justice and the source of mercy by providing the atonement for mankind through justice being enacted on his son which is then fulfilled as an act of mercy to those who believe in him 
through enacting justice, through enacting justice, God also can produce mercy. And in this way, how we think about society, how we think about how we understand violence, how we think about law enforcement and so on and so forth, if we create a law enforcement system that solely operates on the concept of mercy, then to what end is that justice being served? The answer is it's not. People may be thankful for the mercy that they receive, but they never owe it, because if you owed it, if you were deserved mercy, then it would be called justice. Justice and mercy are dependent systems. And societies which decide to throw out the concept of justice because they don't have the spine to uphold it, or they have decided that that which is good should be considered evil, and they, in those societies that decide to pursue something that they're going to call mercy, which is probably more like abdication, uh, those societies are doomed to fail every time because a society that exists solely on the false virtue of a fake mercy, which only exists at the absolute abolition of the concept of justice, cannot stand. Now, I recognize that this conversation for some might be a little bit more tedious, and this conversation for others might be a little bit more entertaining, but the next time you encounter a socialist saying that socialism is a system based on compassion, now you have the tools to correct them, to inform them that, no, it's not a system of compassion, it's a system of slavery. Any compassion that it could present is wholly dependent on a system of justice, which would exist in a capitalist environment. Instead of reorganizing society and the economy through force to produce something like uh, compassion, you're really creating a slavery system. At the same time, if we want to address the concepts of mercy and justice, do not be mistaken in thinking you're being merciful when you're just refusing to uphold the responsibilities of a just society. Mercy, like compassion, is voluntary. Justice is the standard. Mercy is voluntary, compassion is voluntary, and when we take the voluntary elements of, out of those things through in the system of socialism by removing the voluntary element of compassion by making it forced by the state, or mercy by removing the uh, potentiality, uh, r- removing justice from a system by being weak, you can't be merciful if you couldn't do anything else about it. We corrupt these virtues, these concepts, we corrupt these moral ideals like compassion and mercy when we are weak or refuse justice its due. So, if that has been entertaining, go ahead and leave a comment below. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not this argument is worth anything. We're going to continue to hold host conversations where we can have them. If you want to support the channel, head over to redactedculture.locals.com. That's where you're going to find our Locals page because Patreon tends to censor people. Uh, either they have or they will, or especially because 
uh, Patreon has admitted that they will be bullied by a credit card system, whereas I think we have at least a little bit more integrity in a, in a platform like Locals. You can support us over there. Five bucks a month keeps the lights going. I know we're in a garage right now because we're on the road, but you will have more conversations as we keep going forward. Or if you want to jump in on the pre-sale with the shirts and the hoodies, you can head over to redactedlc.com and jump on on that. Uh, we dropped the price of t-shirts down from 35 to 30, uh, and they're gonna, and that's where we're going to try to keep our classic white on black redacted shirts at. So that'll, if, if, that's, if that's where we can keep it, great. We're able to do this through your support. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you later. Go forth and conquer. <laughs>